Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Amen. Amen. Well, a um, couple of things uh, to move into. Uh, well, one main one. I woke up this morning. I tend to do this. I'll say, I'll ask the Lord, what What are you doing? What are you praying, Holy Spirit? Because Jesus is praying right now, and the Holy Spirit is praying. They're making intercession. So what are you praying? And, and one of the things, he's doing a lot of things, but one of the things is, he is uh, marking hearts fresh for prayer. He's marking hearts. And really, that's what we did. It's, it's, he's marking hearts today, like remarking. You know when our ink thing kind of gets a little ink pen, you kind of refresh the coloring on it, you know? He's remarking hearts to draw close to him, which is what we've spent a good bit of time doing. And uh, not to go into the history of this, I shared a message years ago on how the Lord gave signs to us as a house that <clears throat> through yellow Porsche 911s was interesting. Long story, I'll just move into it, uh, to the, what had happened today, but Amos 911, Hebrews 911 are about restoring the house of prayer. Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. And so I, I hear that this morning. I'm marking hearts again for, for prayer. And then I heard this, you know, we call this over here on the wall, the Lake Travis prayer room. And it dropped in my spirit. The prayer room is the prepare room. The prayer room is the prepare room. A lot, a lot into that. But um, Todd, one of our elders, was driving in today. Can you pull that picture back up? <clears throat> he... He just didn't know any of that was in my heart. And he goes, hey, look what I saw driving in today. I don't know, I don't know about you. I don't see many yellow Porsche 911s, right? It's not. I know Nate's driveway is full of them, right? you got three of them, right? But, but I just had to share that today. Is that all right? Yeah. God, give us the grace to draw close to you into the place where we are not only prepared <laughs> by coming before you, but we are preparing the way for you coming before us in the clouds. And even now, in these next minutes, would you uh, prepare us? Would you strengthen us? May we mix your word with faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Last week, we, we looked at a passage that's not necessarily real fluffy, real cheery, you know, but like spinach, it's like really good for us, you know, it's like, like organic, free-range, non-GMO spinach, it's something that will strengthen us, and uh, 2 Timothy 3 we went covered the first five verses, and it, uh, it's which Paul warns Timothy that in the last days, perilous times will come. And perilous times there is the idea that in the last days, in the years and decades before the Lord returns, it's going to be a very difficult time, Timothy. 
It's going to be perilous. In fact, one translation says it's going to be times of stress, times of great stress. And then Paul goes on to give 18 marks of moral decline that will be conspicuous in our culture. 18 marks. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, arrogant, unthankful, disobedient to parents, unholy, haughty, and it goes on and on. 18 marks in our culture that we can observe. And it ends, it starts with what men love, lovers of self, lovers of money. It ends with what men love, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so as we look at that, I'm not sure where we are in God's timetable. The Bible does say we can know the times and the seasons. We don't know the day or the hour, but we can know the times and the seasons. How many of you felt a change of season the last few days, right? Amen. Glory. Glory. I wore my seasonal shirt today. It looks like pumpkins, but it's actually flowers. But I'm going with the flow, and it is... I believe we're in the season of what Jesus described in Matthew 24, the chapter of when they asked him, what are the signs of your return and the end of the age? He said, one of those, part of those signs, he said, verses 6 through 8, when, when these things start to happen, they are the beginning of birth pains. Now, we all know that birth pains precede a birth, right, Chelsea? Yes. She's just given birth. Birth pains and others are getting ready to give birth, right? Birth pains receive, uh, precede birth. Well, what's going to be birthed? When the Lord returns, there's going to be the birthing of the millennial kingdom. And so the, we are in that time of birth pains. And so I believe that um, the Lord would have us be prepared. Now, I felt that this chapter, 2 Timothy 3, is particularly relevant for us these days because I believe it will help equip us to face the times that we're in, to help us to face them successfully. Now, I have a correction to make. Uh, A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, I erroneously talked about the vaccine mandate, and I said the United Airlines was going to be firing 65,000 employees for not for refusing to inject something in their body that they didn't want to have in their body and I was wrong it wasn't 65,000 actually I was thinking of the total number of employees looked at another website it was actually 67,000 united employees but what I should have said 2 weeks ago was 600 pilots mechanics were going to be fired Um, for refusing the vaccine. And since then, I looked up on Friday, that number's gone down to 232 because people have made the choice to get the vaccine. And, And I thought about, Lord, as those are being fired or already have been fired and others around the country, um, I asked the Lord how to pray for them. And the Lord gave me Uh, I believe, a prayer for them. It's in your notes, Ephesians 4.32. I thought it was 2.32 because I see 2.32 getting fired. I was wrong, but I was right on what the prayer is in my heart. And that is that we should pray 
that none of us get offended in this hour. That we've been forgiven of much, and it says, be kind and compassionate, Ephesians 4.32. It's in your notes. It says 2.32, so you can put the right one. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. So my prayer is that none of us in this hour will allow bitterness to get in. We'll allow, it doesn't mean we excuse the, the tyranny or the trespasses, but Jesus says, forgive those who trespass against you. So we've got to guard our hearts, all of our hearts, from giving in to that because bitter root produces bitter fruit. So, how many of you are up for some spinach today? All right, we got some spinach eaters. Good. I, I don't really eat spinach unless it's disguised in an enchilada with the cheese. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, there's spinach in there. Oh, okay. You have to tell the truth up here, you know. I've had some great coaches in my life. I've got some pictures of my high school coaches in Albuquerque, Del Norte High School. Um, you can't really see them there, but the one in the middle is the head coach. The one on the right of the middle is Coach Sackett. They both worked with the linemen. I was bigger then, and I was a defensive lineman, offensive lineman. And, and a, here's what a great coach will do. A great coach, and here's another picture of Coach Anderson. That's not me, but this is what he'd do. He'd say, now, Glenn... The play, there's sometime during the game, the other team's going to run this play, and it's going to look too easy for you to get into the backfield because no one's going to be blocking you. I was a defensive tackle. Said, so when you get in there, said, someone's going to come at you from the right, try to blindside you, and if you stand up too tall, you will get taken out. But if you stay low, and if you do this, this, and this, you will win that conflict. And that's the kind of coach you want to have. One who knows what's going to happen, can tell you what to do. One who can strengthen you and prepare you for those moments. Well, that's what Jesus is to us, in a sense. In this chapter and throughout the Word, he knows what's going to happen. He's telling us what to do. And he's strengthening us and preparing us for this. So we can, not so when you read this verse, these verses in 2 Timothy 3, that we can be defeated, but so that we can win in the middle of a dark and perverse generation. Last week we looked at two things. I won't go into detail on it, but they're on the website. Two things we can do to face perilous times successfully. The first one is we can ask the Lord to release us from the, a demonic spirit that would try to oppress us regarding stress because it's times of stress. So when you start to feel that overwhelmed stress thing, part of it may be a demonic assignment against you. Joel 2.32 says that for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. So I've been calling on him through the week, saying, Lord, would you deliver me from that part that is demonic related to stress? Second, 
daily set our love on Jesus. By daily choosing, for me, times throughout the day, I choose to set my love, reset my love back on you. That is a guard of my heart, over my heart, from love of self, love of money, lover of pleasure. It, replacing that with divine love is a, a second thing we can do. The coach would tell us to do that. I want to go on sharing a few more uh, things to do from this chapter, and hopefully they will uh, equip us today. Um, after listing Roman numeral 2, after listing those 18 marks of moral decline, Paul then says this phrase. He says, having a, a group of these that he's describing, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And then he says, from such, turn away, exclamation point. Now, exclamation points weren't in the original language, but I looked at some other translations, exclamation points were in there. But it says, he says, some will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Now, when I see, when I look at that, when you look at it in the original language, Paul, I can assure you, Paul would never have used that word for godliness to refer to a pagan religion. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a religion that acknowledges the one true God. Someone who's outwardly wanting to be considered righteous, but they are denying the power of God on the inside. They're denying, I'll just boil it down to what is that, what I believe that means. Denying its power. They are denying, they're, they're a Christian, they go to church most likely, but they're denying that the power of God can ever make them change. It's like, well, <laughs> I'm just that way. I'm just naturally a victim of my past. I've been traumatized. And so it's just how I am. Um, I, I, they're denying the idea that they can ever get set free and get better. And yet they have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, who's able to help them fix things about themselves that they can't on their own. Well, it's just my family line. We just got a temper. So every now and then I get to throw stuff. No. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. I'm not saying you got to be perfect, but you know, the Holy Spirit says, oh, Glenn, let me work in you in that. It's called conviction. He's talking about people who are dominated by things like, oh, I've talked to certain people. They cannot get past how somebody did them wrong. Like years ago. You know, it's oh, somebody, you know, it's like uh, the B.J. Thomas song back in the 70s. Hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? That's literally the, the title on a little 45. 
And it's actually Guinness Book of World Records, the longest title of a top 40 single. And so I guess a lot of people wanted to buy it. Hey, won't you play? I guess you're in a honky-tonk, you know. It's another, somebody done somebody wrong. That's not the way. Paragraph A. So that leads me to the third thing we can do to face perilous times. This is a tough one for me. We've got to turn away from certain people who deny the power to ever change. One Bible teacher said it this way, from such people, don't waste your time on them. Now, to be honest, I scratched my head on this. I was looking around. I was trying to find another translation. I thought, oh, the Passion Translation. Micah loves the Passion Translation, right? So I'm going to look at the Passion Translation. You know what the Passion Passion Translation says? They have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these, exclamation point. So as I meditated on this, I thought, you know, hmm, I don't believe Paul is saying quit loving them. He's not saying quit praying for them. He's not saying, you know, quit uh, caring about them. But he is saying protect yourself. Because if you don't turn, how many of you are getting some spinach now? He is saying, protect yourself because they might be pulling you down into compromise. Well, you know, somebody did me wrong before, too. You know, being around someone who's always talking about the past and hurts, you know, they may pull you down into compromise or they might drain you drain you, sap you of your strength and your time when other people who really need what you have, you don't have the strength to help them. You're worn out. Or you're in compromise and you're feeling guilty yourself. So paragraph B, I asked the Lord, you know, what? how do you know the difference? Because aren't we supposed to bear with people? Right? Who do you be patient with and who do you turn away from? Well, I feel like the Lord put two things in my heart that are my opinions, although I have scripture to kind of back up, to back up the opinion. Okay. The first one is ask God for wisdom as to who to bear with patiently and who to turn away from. Ask him for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay, so that's the first one. The second is look at the fruit in their life. The Bible says we are to examine people by their fruit. It says uh, in Matthew 7, verse 17 through 20, a good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit. And so if over a certain amount of time, you never see any kind of fruit, that may be a sign that you turn away. And I was still kind of dealing with this, going, Lord, what about you? Did you ever say to turn away? And oh, I mean, I love Paul and the inspired word. And did you say to turn? And he, and he reminded me, Luke 9 and Luke 10, when he sent out the 12 and he sent out the 70, he said, if that house won't receive you, Shake the dust off your boots and your feet 
and go to another town, go to another house, go to another village who will receive you. Because he was saying there are people in the other village who haven't heard the message of the gospel. So let's be, be wise. This is, this is what verse 5 is saying. From such, turn away. All right, now Roman numeral 3 going on. Uh, it says, Paul warns against being gullible. Being gullible. Gullible means easily persuaded to believe something. To believe something that's not necessarily biblical. He warns against being gullible, verse 6, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So Paul is basically warning Timothy, don't be easily manipulated. He's saying, don't waste your time and money on something that poses itself as godly. Now, it says gullible women, but that does not exclude gullible men. Simple. I had logic class at Baylor, actually. Just because you say gullible women doesn't mean you're saying there are no gullible men. I mean, I think gullibility is an equal opportunity employer. Okay? Anyone can be gullible. So don't, don't give in to, to gullibility. You know, some people over the years, they have such interesting doctrines. I use that word in quotes. Interesting doctrines. They're so complicated, so high sounding, but you never understand what they're saying. They're always, you're always learning, but you never come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, I'm not going to spend my time on some, a lot on this, but Scientology, you know, I looked it up a little. Some people, and Tom Cruise is in it, John Travolta is in it, Leah Remy, you know, famous people. People spend hundreds of thousands of dollars going to session after session in order to achieve being clear. Like, I'm not there yet. Well, give us 10,000 more dollars, you see, to become, and then you too can become clear or you can come to the next level. You know, and it's Christian scientists. Well, I like the word Christian. I like science. No, don't be gullible. Just because it says Christian and it says science doesn't mean it's the truth. Don't be manipulated into something like that. I have, um, I have observed countless Christian scams over the decades. And there, a lot of them are related to selling merchandise, giving you the inside scoop about the future. And if you just buy my book and you learn about the four blood moons then this will happen, and you'll know about it before it happens. But get my CD pack and get my books, and guess what? It did. I kept reading over that over. People were handing it to me. I was like, it didn't happen. But then they weren't even that specific on what would happen. 
But they lure you in with this merchandising to give you the inside scoop about the future. Or offering special healing power or special delivering power outside of the biblical ways to, to see healing and deliverance if you just buy their product. It's real quiet in here, and I know you're quiet online. Somebody's throwing a bagel at me. Blood Moons, I love that Blood Moons book. I'm really concerned, can you tell? I'm deeply intimidated right now. Um, but they offer special delivering power. I know of some in the past who would get diffusers and they would diffuse essential oils into a room and they believed it would drive away demons from the room. That demons would leave once this fragrance came into the room. Now it was taking advantage, please hear me, of sincere people who want to help people. See, they were gullible, though. That's not how demons work. Demons don't go, oh, lavender, let's get out of here. <laughs> Sandalwood, oh no. I'm not saying essential oils can't do things, but they don't drive demons away, all right? I ain't a doctor, but dead, no. I mean, I am, all right, I'll move on. There was one, one man came here, wanted to sell his book in our lobby, and it was a book that basically purported that the Obama White House had members in the White House who were half man, human, half demon. Satanic angels and women had these creations, and they were in the Obama White House. And if you bought my book called Nephilim, that you would be, it's not in the Bible, it's found from the Apocrypha, the word Neph Nephilim, I think it was. But if you buy, buy if, you, if you were to buy the book, then you would know what was going to happen ahead of time, and you'd be a true patriot. And you would pray for our nation, just get my book. And you, you know the story, you can surmise, I said no. You, you, can't, you can't sell that, okay? So um, I could go on, but I'll just go on to the next point instead. I will say this, how, do you, how can you be safeguarded against being gullible? Live in the Word of God. Eat the scroll, take the scroll, get, get the word of God, get the truth in you. And it's like a bank teller. <clears throat> they train bank tellers about spotting counterfeit currency. Most of you know this by only handling real money. So that when fake money comes into your hands, you can spot it. It's the same with us. The more we hold true to the scripture, the more we'll be able to uh, respond and, and not be gullible. All right, Ver, uh, Roman numeral four going on, verses eight and nine. 
We're good on time. That's good. Nine, eight and nine, and then verse 13 are all related to this Roman numeral four. Paul is, is saying that in the end time generation, there's going to be a proliferation of the occult, a, a, a rapid increase of the occult in all its forms. It's going to oppose, in our day, it's going to oppose the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, as I said, as our head coach, he is saying, we need to be aware of this. And we need to live in supernatural power because we face an enemy that has evil supernatural power. And so what's the answer? We need to live in the supernatural because we face a supernatural enemy. And Paul compares Pharaoh's magicians. When Moses came to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, Paul compares Pharaoh's magicians uh, to the evil in our day. Verse 8 says, Now, this is the same chapter, 2 Timothy 3. Now, as Jannes and Jambres resisted Moses, so do all these resist the truth. He's talking about today. Now, men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, verse 9, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be made manifest to all, as theirs also was. Now, you may not know who Jannes and Jambres were uh, who resisted Moses, but according to Jewish tradition, it states that those were the names of the two Egyptian magicians in Pharaoh's day. Since it's in the New Testament, I think that's a pretty good source. Jannes and Jambres were the Egyptian magicians. Say that ten times real fast. Egyptian magicians. Paragraph A, in Exodus chapter 4, God equipped Moses for this showdown of power. And let me just stop there and say, in the end times, the days, the beginning of birth pains we're in, the victory for the church is not going to be won by theologians. It's not going to be won by a dispute between theologians and atheists. It's not going to be a dispute. It's going to be a demonstration of power. There's going to be a throwdown, a smackdown. And that's what Moses, Jannes, and Jambres is all about. Verse 8, as they resist, as Jannes and Jambres resist, oh, I already read it. Okay, so... God equips Moses for the showdown with these Egyptian magicians. Moses said, I can't, you know, he says, you know, Moses, you're going to go tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. Moses is like in Exodus 4, he's like, Lord, I can't do that. I don't have any, anything to, to prove that that's what you're telling me to do. And so God says, well, what do you have in your hand, Moses? That's his response. And he just, Moses just says, well, all I have is a simple shepherd's rod. The Lord says, throw it down. He's like, okay. Well. It turns into a snake. And it says Moses fled from his own rod. 
And I think that describes many Christians today. We don't know what we have in our hand. We don't know the authority that we have. And so we are, you know, we're in that place. What do you have in your hand? I'm asking the Lord regularly, what do I, what's in my hand? I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'll just go back and say, Moses is getting trained. He, run, he flees from his own rod, which turned into a serpent. And then the Lord says, now go pick it up. Go pick up that snake by the tail. Now, those of you who know anything about snakes, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. My brother had big snakes. He had like a 12-foot boa constrictor in his bedroom. I know about snakes. And we had rattlesnakes out there, too. I know you don't pick up a snake by the tail. Otherwise, it will whip around and bite you. But the Lord, gingerly, you can just see him timidly going, okay, all right. He picks it up. It turns back into his shepherd's rod. And the Lord says, okay, you're ready to go tell Pharaoh. And if Pharaoh won't listen to you, if you need anything more, then just know that you can turn water into blood. He really told him that. Just know you can do that, Moses. You can turn water into blood, and that should convince him. So fast forward to verse to chapter 7. Moses brings Aaron with him, and he comes into the courts of Pharaoh. And he says, Pharaoh, I've had an interview with God, and you're supposed to let my people go. Pharaoh says, really? Can you prove that you've had an interview with God to do this? And so the Lord says, you know, Aaron's got his rod. He, the Lord says, throw the rod down. He throws the rod down. His rod turns into a snake. Now, if I was Pharaoh, that would impress me. I would be like, whoa. All right, let, let the people go. But Pharaoh wasn't impressed. In fact, Pharaoh turns to Jannies and Jambres and he says, can you guys do that? And they're like, oh, yeah, we could do that. Jannies and Jambres threw their rods down without hesitation. Like, yeah, well, we can do that. They threw their rods down. They turned into snakes, which I want to interject there. Not all supernatural power is from the Holy Spirit. You know, there's this top, main topic, supernatural power, but there are subsets there's divine power from the Holy Spirit, and then there is evil, occultic, demonic power. They're both supernatural power. But the good news is God has given us authority over the power of the enemy. God's given us authority, it says in the Bible, over all the power of the enemy. That means the enemy does have some power. But the good news is, you we know the exciting end of the story. I think it's uh, in paragraph B there. Um, there came this showdown. The this Moses snake is and Aaron's snake is down there. Jannies and Jeremy's snakes are down there. Moses snake eats the other two snakes. Now I don't know if you've pictured this scene or not, but those two magicians left without any rods. They're like, man, I had my rod. I had all this power. It's like coming in with two AK-47s 
and you leave with your hands in your pockets or your tunic or whatever. And moan and Moses snake, I've seen snakes eat food, like trust me, Moses snake was thicker and stronger than before the showdown. So that is a point that Paul is saying, just as the theologians resisted Moses, the practitioners of the occult are going to resist the message of the gospel in the last days. Is that true? It's true. Now, it's not as obvious as in Moses' times. I'm not, please don't get afraid right now. I'm not saying you're going to have to face down magicians or anything like that, but, but there is a rise in the in the power of the enemy that is more subtle today. It's seen more in systems in our country right now, satanic systems that are infiltrating our schools with transgender policies, with CRT, critical race theory teachings. What's behind that is satanic. Not a lot of amens, but he's subtle. The enemy is subtle. Pro-abortion policies. It's satanic. Anti-Israel sentiment. Satanic. Promoting lawlessness is satanic. Because lawlessness is one of those marks of the age. So it's, it's in subtle forms of the occult, and then there are subtle, more subtle forms of the occult, like the New Age, astrology, video games involving witchcraft as weapons. I found an article in The Guardian, a British paper in 2020. I'm going to read it to you briefly. It's, the title of it is Stargazing, Why Millennials Are Turning to Astrology. There's a growing familiarity with the patterns and positions of the planets. And it's not uncommon to hear people in their late teens and 20s talking about, say, Mercury in retrograde and Saturn returns with confidence and authority. They know that a star sign is a sun sign and that for any half-decent attempt at a reading, you need to know your exact time and place of birth so you can discuss with equal reverence the influence of your rising sign and moon sign too. It's a part of a broader shift, one that finds magic and mysticism referenced regularly in popular culture. In the fashion world, labels such as Vetements, I don't know yet, Valentino, have featured zodiac signs, constellations, and cosmic patterns. The high street has followed the trend. I guess that's something in, in Britain. An episode of a TV show called Broad City used a coven of witches in Central Park as its way to, of digesting the ele- election of Trump. It makes more sense if you watch it, especially if you're one of, get this, the estimated 800,000 Wiccans in the world. In the UK alone, 60,000 people identify as pagan. So, it disguises itself as the new age. It disguises itself as trying to help you with with health things. I know of someone who went to get acupuncture 
for to relieve pain. And as they were getting the needles in, they opened their eyes, and the acupuncturist was waving her hand in front of them, trying to do something about the energy. Now, I ain't no doctor, but I never went to a doctor for something, and the doctor went, okay? That's part of what's going on, the rise of of meditation that's going to move your chi around, things like that. Um, it's verse 13. I didn't have that up there, but it talks about evil men and imposters will be prevalent. The Greek word imposter is enchanters. So both 8 and 9 verse and then verse 13 of this chapter Warn our coaches warning us against enchanters. The good news, as I've said, that's enough talking about that. I'm not trying to sensationalize it, but I had to, I felt I had to cover that. Jesus gave us power and authority over all the power of the enemy. He didn't say the enemy doesn't have power, but you have more. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5 says the weapons of our warfare, so we're in a war. They're not carnal, they're not just human, natural, but they are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I was talking to an intercessor recently who said, I'm not comfortable with the whole demonic thing. And I said, I get it. But I said, basically, your prayers are pulling down strongholds. These prayer meetings we're having, that's what's in our hand. What's in your hand? It's your prayers. It's among other things, but what's in your hand? As we were in a prayer meeting here last Tuesday. Worship team, if you could come on up. We were in a prayer meeting last Tuesday here, and we were praying that for this uh, abortion bill and the ending of abortion. And we were praying that pregnant moms would turn around on their way to an abortion clinic, that right then in that prayer meeting, they would turn around and stop in their tracks and turn around. And I thought to myself, you know, we actually had that happen at River in the Hills where we were having a feeding time for the poor out at Apache Shores. And a, a grandmother came up desperate. She pulls up. We're handing out food. And she said, please pray. My 22-year-old daughter is, or whatever, how old she was in her 20s. She's on her way to an abortion clinic. Chuck, you were there, right? We, we got in a circle. We prayed. We said, Lord, to cause her to turn around right now. She turned around right then. Our snake ate their snake. She turns around. She gets a sonogram on Monday. Our bus fests were Saturdays. On Monday, she gets the sonogram, sees the baby, says, I'm not going to get an abortion. That baby is now 15 years old, happy, enjoying life because church rose up 
and just took what's in their hand. What's in your hand? I heard someone preaching this week or last week about, you know, the, the teenage boy giving Jesus his five loaves and two fish. That's what was in his hand. God wants your lunch money. Well, it's just, you know, it's just a few dollars. It's just $10, $5. Prices these days, I'll have to up that price. It's, a, it's $20. It fed 5000 It actually fed more like 10000 What's in your hand? Let's stand up, if you would, to your feet. There are two more points that I'm briefly going to say. They're in your notes, so I won't spend the time on it. But Roman numeral five, it, uh, it's part of God's agenda in this hour that those who choose to live godly will suffer persecution. That's verse 12. They will suffer persecution. I don't know if you've ever heard that before at the church you maybe were at before. But it's part of God's agenda that we will suffer persecution. We can't claim it away, confess it away. We will suffer persecution. That may shock you. It may, you may not have thought about it, but it's true. And so we need, our coach is saying, be careful. He's saying, don't stand up too high, Glenn. Stay low. Stay low, stay humble before me the last one is don't probably the best thing the coach could tell us is stay in the word of God don't go chasing one leader said don't go chasing Satan's rabbits oh the occult oh this oh no the more we handle the word and the rest of 2 Timothy 3 15 and on goes out crescendos with verse 16 all scriptures inspired by God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction. We've got to know all Scripture, not just the few select New Testament. We need to know Ezra, Nehemiah, Habakkuk. All Scripture is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man, the men and women of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is our security. Keep the cross at the center. Keep preaching the word of God. Keep Jesus at the center of your life. Keep preaching. At this church, we're going to keep preaching the word. We're going to keep preaching the blood. We're going to keep preaching the cross. We're going to keep preaching salvation. We're going to keep preaching being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to keep doing and living in the word so that people will know would you pray with me I I just feel like this is yeah I feel like the Lord even right now is calling us back to faithfulness to his word to not drift from it that we would not be gullible, that we would be, you know, the Word of God is the one, it's our sword. It's the one thing Satan cannot defeat. 
And so one leader back in the past, he said, I have no, I don't do, I have no defense against Satan. I have no offense against Satan. I simply proclaim the word of God. Don't focus on other things. Don't get sidetracked. May we declare the word. Father God, we come before you. I sense you're calling us back to faithfulness to your word. Would you help us? Help me, Lord, to love your word. Help us to read it daily and to believe it. If it just helps you to make it personal, you know, I'm not saying you have to say it out loud, but Lord, I'm just going to make it personal, this prayer. Help me not to be gullible, to be easily persuaded by something that's not true. Help me with wisdom as to who in my life may be pulling me down into compromise or who may be choosing to deny your power to change. Help me keep praying for them, keep caring for them, keep believing the best that you're still working, but give me wisdom that I would not be pulled into compromise and that I would not be drained of the time and energy, the finite time you give me each day of 24 hours. Would you help us to live in the supernatural? Just put your, if you just put your hands out, we're a little late, but I just wanna, we're gonna open the altar up here as well in overtime, but I believe the Lord, one of my big things with this was that the Lord is saying we must live in the supernatural. And Acts 1.8 says, Jesus says, you shall receive dunamis, which is the Greek word, you shall receive supernatural power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part. So let's open our hands right now and let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us fresh. Come and fill us, Lord. What's in my hand? Well, you said my hand could be laid on the sick and they recover. Bob Jones, you spoke to him years ago, said, would you pray this prayer so I can answer it, that that, that the Lord would restore power to his church. I just want to open this altar up right now. If you want fresh power, just come forward and stand at this altar right now. Just come forward as an act of faith. Say, I'm coming to receive the Holy Spirit coming upon me in power. Fresh power. Lord, even today, as you've been dealing with so many beautiful things, with the orphan heart, with the drawing coming back to you, Lord, I ask that today be a day where you restore power, not hype. As Sloan prayed this week, you're not the hype priest. You're our high priest. So Lord, would you fill us afresh with power? Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be daily, regularly filled the Holy Spirit. So just breathe. Wow, I didn't even open my eyes till just now. Yeah, look. 
Yeah. Just hope, as you're holding your hands out, the Lord wants you to see the rod in your hand right now. Just The shepherd's rod is in your hand. It's power that can turn a woman who's pregnant around and come back. It's power that can cause a school board to say no to satanic stuff that would hurt our children. It's power that can see revival come. Wow. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, just say, Lord, baptize me right now. Fill me. Let tongues rise up. Let that other language and that of your belly. Let If, if those who already have the, your prayer language, just pray right now out loud right now. There's a, um, there's a restoring of power. A breaker, yeah. Wow. Yes. You are becoming dangerous to the devil. Not because other than you you are beginning to see, even right now, Lord, show us what's in our hand. That we're not to be defeated or intimidated, but that, Lord, we have the victory. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Just whoever is, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're laid. Uh, but it, as you're standing here, I just release you, like maybe to turn to someone else and pray for them, pray for their hands, pray for them to be filled. Just right now, just turn turn on one in, into one another it's like jumper cables people with a lower battery or who need this just dispense what's happening in your heart or, or you're the one saying hey I, I need I need power here I need courage thanks for listening to the weekly sermon to download the notes and slides for this message visit our website riverinthehills.com If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.